Welcome everyone to Love and Pod, episode four. I am your host, Lady Zeon the Double Fang, and with me is my co-host as always, Kai, the non-binary typhoon. Say hello, Kai. Hello, got a dramatic entrance, I like it. Gotta like hype them up at the very beginning. Gotta, gotta hook them in. So yeah, no, we're now four episodes into this show. I honestly don't have any notes to build off of last time. Do you? Uh, no, I think like I think we took care of uh, everything we wanted to say last time. I don't think anything came up of. Uh... That changes anything of what we said already about it. Actually, I do have something. Okay, so I said last time that I was going to look up who the writers and stuff have been for these episodes, like episode directors, yada, yada, yada. I tried to do that. And I can't find jack shit. Like, I found, like, oh, like, this person, you know, directed, like, two episodes or wrote two episodes. But it's like, which episodes? I don't know. Like, when I go to, like, the wikis and stuff, it's, like, unknown or to be announced. And I'm like, I know there are fucking credits on these episodes. What the fuck's happening? Because, like, I don't know, maybe I was spoiled by, like, the Dragon Ball fandom where, like, they're, like, on this shit where day of episode, here's, like, the episode director, here's the animation director, here's the writer, like, 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 I, I, I've clearly been spoiled because, like, the Trigun fandom, they're just, like, yeah, that was a new episode of Trigun. It's like, no, no, I need to know who the fuck... Like, I can't read Japanese, damn it. Come back. Um, I need someone to translate this shit. Yeah, that's... Oh, that's frustrating. I was gonna say, like, I know, uh... I know people who know some Japanese, but I was like, but th- they're not gonna be able to know, like, where a name ends and begins and stuff like that. I could, with enough time, comb through all of the credits and figure out which ones are the writers and translate those names and then look up like what they've done but that's a lot of fucking effort on my part an effort that my non-japanese speaking ass is not gonna put in yeah it's like being glued to the japanese dictionary as well as like the lettering system to figure out yeah no it's just hey like i have like this list of like all all these kanji because i know a little bit of katakana because like I've, I've done some duolingo i know some things i recognize some characters uh, i know like the sounds they make i know some of these but, words yeah so yeah That is frustrating because, you know, as we've been over, the first two episodes were, we'll say, to be generous, a little messy. And then, like, the first half of episode three, also a little messy. But then, like, it really picks up and it finds its footing. And then we get into this episode, which, uh... I guess I'll just go ahead and start summarizing now so we can actually talk about it. Okay, so episode four is called Hungry! With exclamation points, so that way you, you you know you know they're really hungry. Which honestly, I think it's really funny given how like the last episode title was like shine bright in the darkness, blah blah, some bullshit like some artsy poetic bullshit, and then this was just hungry exclamation point. Considering the character we meet in this episode, I think it's fitting. <laughs> oh yeah, def- definitely. So the episode opens up with some guys out in the middle of the desert. Uh, very desert punky, and they're eating some. They're eating bugs, but they call they seem to call all bugs worms, and that's gonna be like a thing. So every time I say worms, um, picture flying bug things, because they seem to call everything worms. Anyhow, these three guys look out into the distance. They see a guy walking through the desert with a giant cross on his back. Go to the intro. Come back from the intro, and we get. Our main characters driving through the desert. Uh, Vash is passed out asleep in the back of the vehicle. Meryl and Roberto are listening to the news. 
They're talking about the incident in Genoa Rock from previously. And part of the report is that now they are suspects or people of interest in this case. No one knows that like who they are specifically, but they are also now worrying like, oh shit, if headquarters finds out we are so goddamn fired. They also note how Vash has not eaten in days. Also, Roberto mansplains to Meryl about how worms are a good source of protein. And then Meryl, while kind of bickering with Roberto, uh... Hits the guy with the cross on his back with her vehicle. She loses her shit, runs out and checks on him. He's bleeding. He's knocked the fuck out. They Like, you're not going to fucking die on me. Gets him in the vehicle. They drive out to what I'm guessing is a gas station, but it has like a plant thing on it. So it's a plant station? I don't know if it's for a refill. Whatever. It is post-apocalyptic 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> or Tom Thumb, depending on where you're listening to this podcast. In. I try to I try to be like quiet while you're doing your thing, but that just really cracks me up. Uh, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> they go to the uh, gas station thing, and there's some dead people inside. A man and a woman. Uh, Vash opens a locker, finds a scared child inside. Afterwards, the guy with the cross does a prayer for the two dead people. Uh, we find out that he's not a priest. He's an undertaker. Also, he's a bit of a shyster because he charges them $20,000 for his shitty prayer services. And also, they comment on the big cross on his back. And he just is just like, yeah, no, it's part of my trade. Don't fucking touch it. Before anything else can really happen, a giant sandworm comes out, just graboid style, just this kaiju comes out of the gra uh, ground and swallows them whole. Inside of the worm, the kid runs off. Everyone kind of splits up trying to find the kid, figure out what happened. Meryl finds the kid, passed out, and then something attacks her. Elsewhere, you know, there's a bit of bickering between Roberto, Vash, and Wolfwood. Wolfwood being the name of the guy they hit with the vehicle. And, like, Roberto is just going on this thing about how, like, I think this guy's an, an assassin. He pulls out, like, a Derringer on him. Vash is like, whoa, I, I, I trust this dude. Like, I, I see it in his eyes. Before they even realize it, Roberto's fucking gone. That was the happiest point in this show. <laughs> I was kidding. I had the same comment. I was like, good, stay gone. Now go find Meryl. <laughs> Fuck him. I hope he gets digested. Not long after, while being trapped inside the worm, they get ejected from it because it sneezes them out. They get propelled out into the desert. Uh, the worm comes back after them, consumes them again. Vash and Wolf, well, Vash at very least, deliberately sticks around to be re-eaten because he wants to save uh, Roberto and Meryl. And Wolfwood just is just like, well, fuck it. I guess if he's, I guess I'm going to stick around with this asshole. They get re-consumed by the worm and they immediately find the kid. The kid is there. Vash, like, is holding him and Vash notices something weird. What's that odd mosquito humming noise? The kid jumps back and reveals himself to be the one controlling the worm. Or, like, all of the, the, the insects around them. This triggers a fight with Wolfoid firing at the kid, shooting holes in the worm. He unveils his giant cross, which is a giant goddamn gun. If you're familiar with Trigun, you know what's up. Uh, Very iconic to have, like, yeah. this character calling himself a, like, 
man of the cloth and then carrying a cross and then oh uh just kidding it's a gun yeah no like like as far as like trigun iconography i would say like more so than anything wolfwood's punisher gun is one it's like the most piece like the, the strongest piece of iconography in the franchise but yeah, he fires, fires a hole. The kid has like a bug crawl on his face and like like a mask and like flies him off. It's honestly really fucking cool. He triggers like the worm's digestive tract and like uh, stomach acids dripping down. Wolfwood's just like, oh yeah, no, fuck this kid. You're not getting away. And like spins his cross around, fires a laser beam and splits the giant worm in two and crashing it to the ground. The three guys who are in the desert earlier who are eating bugs are just like, woo! They're just clapping. Their claps are so funny. I love them. I love those three guys. I don't know anything about them, but the way they're like, oh! I, I can't <laughs> tell if they were excited because Wolfoid, like, you know, killed a giant worm in a single laser blast and it was super fucking cool to watch from their perspective or because... We're gonna eat for months. I feel like they got caught up in the they they were rooting for them when they saw them get eat like you see them get spat out and the three guys are like oh run run you gotta run like they're watching a show or something and so that's what the vibe I got was that they were just sticking around to see what was gonna happen with these guys who just let themselves get ate by the giant worm. So yeah, after that, everyone's just kind of sitting there eating bug bits meryl and roberto are now safe wolf was just kind of chatting it up with meryl roberto is like i don't fucking trust that guy and i'm cynical you should be more cynical too vash and vash is just like nah and then we cut to later in the night wolfwood is talking to the kid who is Zazie the Beast. He and Wolfwood have some sort of affiliation. We learn that like this whole thing was planned up until this point. And then we cut to knives. And we see all these pl dead plants. They're all red and glowing. We see like robots moving the tanks around. And discussion of, you know, Vash not being able to use his gate other than for uh, defensive purposes and how he acts allows it, him to access a higher plane of like, existence. And Knives just saying, well, let's have to pry it open. End of episode. I love Knives. <laughs> yeah, no, Knives is fucking great in the show. Oh my God. Have you ever eaten insects before? Because I have. I, I prefer the uh, millworms, roasted millworms with barbecue on them but I've had crickets before too. Those are cool. <laughs> I have never eaten bugs. Um, and I'm not going to sit there and go, ew, eating bugs. <laughs> but I am going to kind of go, that looks like a texture I would fucking hate. Nah, the, the texture of the crickets is the one I don't like. That's why I prefer the mealworms. Roasted mealworms, man. I just had to get that question out there because it was such a huge part of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew it was going to be like a thing. Because in the first act of the episode, like I said, Roberto had to mansplain to Meryl about how worms are a good source of protein. I fucking hate this man. I am. I hate his entire fucking existence. I am so sick of Meryl being like this news reporter, like journalist who has the job. She has the job of being a journalist, which means she had to show skill and knowledge. And then she doesn't know anything about how this world works, apparently. 
I'm so sick of that. Yeah, like I'm, I'm so fucking tired of her like having to be the character and needs everything fucking explained to her. I get it, she's the young one of the team, but like they even aged her up because in the manga she's like 19. Then she's 23. Like even if she's like a pampered kid in this world, like who came from like a middle class upbringing, like you think that she has like some worldly goddamn knowledge, and like, but no, she is just kind of like. Ew, eating bugs and stuff. It's like, do you see the fucking hellscape you live in? And like, I can never really tell, especially given how like the first episode treated her where Roberta was constantly just mansplaining shit to her that she already knew, where I can't tell if she actually does not know certain things that are basic common knowledge in this world, or if she does know and Roberto is just an asshole. I like to think it's the latter because it gives me more reasons to hate Roberto. I think the core reason why I really don't like him is because his character is two things. One, alcoholic nihilism. And two, uh, being a po- the Pokedex of the series of like, this is a worm. This is what it does. Like, this is a plant. A plant can do X, Y, Z thing. It's really cool. Like, that, that's his character. I would like him so much more if he were just a little, like, scrimble robot <laughs> that hung out with them and just dispensed knowledge that nobody needed explaining to you them. You know what? I'm writing that down. That's a good concept for characters in the future for story writing like, to, like, help you, like... If you were just, like, Gil, the little robot from Dragon Ball GT... <laughs> Like, like if he were just that thing, just hanging around with them, but he was also a Pokedex instead of a Dragon Radar, and he just filled in lore bullshit. That's actually not a bad writing idea. To like that can that seems like a good way to get around awkward and unnecessary info dumps if you make it like a bit that like everybody is annoyed at this one random robot character who has some kind of malfunction or something and can't stop himself from over explaining everything he sees. But no, instead we get Roberto. Anything would be better than this character because he's he is absolutely the worst part because like his character adds nothing. He's just a reporter. Like I'm so mad that this fucking dickhead replaced Millie. Yeah. Like we lost Millie and we get this motherfucker? Are you serious? I know early on I made the comment of like uh if uh Wolfwood and Roberto end up making sandwiches, I might forgive them. No, that's I'm I'm getting less and less even if they did that. I'd be like I don't know if I would even I don't even know if that would save it at this point. I really no. don't like Roberto. As funny no. as that would be, I really don't like Roberto. <laughs> yeah, I, I I did love when Wolfwood called him Uncle Downer. <laughs> Please, I just need Wolf. I need somebody calling him out more on his bullshit. That's and like it's really good that it's Wolfwood because Wolfwood's supposed to be the nihilist of the team. Wolfwood's supposed to be that role, but he's supposed to have like all these character pathos that like flesh him out into like. A compelling, interesting character. He, he could, he could be with a lot of heart and warmth to him. Yeah, he's got, he's got a lot of genuine care and you know love in him. But he's also like is nihilistic and like, oh, the world sucks. I mean, I'm still gonna try to be nice to individuals, but the world fucking sucks, and it's everyone out for themselves. But you yeah, know, but he's also silly and fun. And meanwhile, Roberto's like, oh, I need another drink. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just gonna drink and smoke and I'm gonna explain to you kids how it is. Did you know that Columbus sailed the ocean blue and <laughs> just like that's what I feel like at this point. He's just gonna start saying random bullshit. 
Like, dude, can you just go retire, stay at home, and watch your Fox News? <laughs> Fuck off. I hate Roberto so much. Like, I'm really hoping, because it's, it's four episodes in now, and I'm like, he keeps getting worse as a character, because at first it's like, okay, he's just kind of annoying. Now he does absolutely nothing. Like, he adds no interesting, like, back and forth, because, like, you have Meryl, who is kind of, like, the, the, the grounded voice of reason, and you would have, and you have now Wolfwood, who's the more cynical of the two. What the fuck does Roberto add? Oh, I'm even older and more cynical or... Fuck off, bro. I hate you. Die already. Get space COVID. I don't... <laughs> oh, man. That was... Yeah, I was genuinely... When like when Meryl disappeared and the kid disappeared, I was like, oh, oh, well, okay, we're having a horror movie situation. And it's like the... I know they're going to get out of this. There's no way. But also like, oh, I'm a little like nervous for them. And then Roberto's gone. And I'm yeah, like, no, it's just like, Meryl disappears. Oh, no. And then, like, Roberto disappears. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Glad we got to get our little uh, bitch fit about um, <laughs> Roberto out immediately. <laughs> welcome, welcome. You know, this is the uh, Love and Pod <laughs> podcast. And this was your fuck Roberto minute of the episode. I love it. I love it. <sighs> All right. So other than that. But you think of the episode as a whole. I think it is pretty damn good. There's a lot of stuff that I'd actually message you. I'm like, I have so many things to say. Because I was ready to pop off about this episode. But then by the end of the episode, things got recontextualized so much that I was like, I have far fewer things to say <laughs> about this episode. Because they hit Wolfwood. Oh, okay. They go to this, to this plant station. Okay. And then... A worm eats them? What? Like that come like it just like comes out of nowhere and I'm like, okay, well this kid is clearly gonna be Zazie the Beast. I've put that together. He's the only person I've seen running around this series with fucking pure white hair. He's evil. <laughs> I was like, either this kid's Zazie the Beast or he's going to get possessed by one of the bugs and become Zazie the Beast. So, like, I put that together and I'm like, okay, so we have Zazie the Beast and we have Wolfwood. All right. And then they get spat back out and then they get re-eaten and it's like, oh, it's Zazie the Beast. And then, like, yeah, they kill the world. And I'm like, there was a lot of weird coincidental stuff happening in this episode. And I'm like, ah, uh, that's some bullshit. But then by the end of it, I'm like, like, oh, oh, Wolfwood and Zazie planned all this, and this is part of, like, Knives' bigger plan, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, fuck, that all fits together. I can't... Yeah. No, this is actually a well-constructed episode. I have nothing to complain about in terms of plot progression and things happening, because it looks like it's going to be a sloppy mess of coincidences, and then, haha, we we fooled you. We were only pretending to be stupid and poorly written. This time, it was good. That's my secret. Mm. Nothing is a coincidence in this episode. Yeah, I just, I was really surprised how many things just felt, because I was just like trying to like make sense of everything. And I'm like, oh, no, like this was all planned with the kid and like, you know, the, the, the parents being murdered who aren't really his parents. And it's just like, and honestly, I really love this take on Zazie the Beast. I still don't know if he's like bug hive mind possessed person or if he is a person who is connected to the bugs. Because they made it sound like the latter. How like So he seems like he's a weird middle ground between Zazie the Beast from the 90s cartoon and Zazie the Beast from the manga. Which I'm fine with. Mm -hmm. Kind of splitting the difference if that's the route they're going. 
Uh, I fucking love when he has, like, the bug crawl on his face like a mask, and then the wings pop out, and he flies off, and I'm just like... That was a okay, really was cool really visual to really cool. help, like... Yeah, to really sell the idea of, like, this this kid's, like, name of Zazie the Beast is not for nothing. It's not just because he can control them. He's practically one with them, you know? And I really like that visual to really help yeah. sell that idea. And, okay, so we've talked about, like, the increased kind of power scale of this iteration of Trigun... And I think this goes even further by like, yeah, um, Wolfwood's cr- Punisher Cross has like a fucking like laser cannon that can split like a giant sandworm down the middle in one sweep. <laughs> Holy fucking shit. That animation with him like, yeah, that animation of him like spinning that gun around and all that was so cool too. I really liked that. Honestly, like I fucking dug that shit too. And because that's, like, in the original manga, Wolfwood does a lot of cool using the momentum of his cross to his advantage. And so, like, seeing him flip the cross around and stuff, I was just like, oh, shit. Like, because in the 90s uh, uh, anime, he mostly would just kind of, like, hold it off to the side and just fire from it. The animation was pretty cheap they didn't do anything super crazy here like they just go fucking nuts with it and i thought it was cool as shit and i love the panning shot because it kept harkening back to like you keep turning your back on me he's like and yet you haven't fucking shot me i love that i love that banter between vash and wolfwood there's so many good character moments oh my god there's so many good Um, quotes and that really does that one line that you just brought up too is like it summarizes their relationship so like easily like right there of like hey why are you trusting me it's like because you haven't shown me why i shouldn't yeah (laughs) it's just like but we're in this doggy dog hellscape yeah and you haven't tried to eat me and you're not eating me (laughs) it's really good again i'm gonna keep bringing it up i love this anime for like and and this franchise i guess now for how it treats pacifism and so far it's still getting the seal of approval from me of like yeah it's a complicated nuanced discussion and vash is willing to have it but he's also stubborn yeah and i like i love him for that (laughs) yeah no they're really doing like and i and i really like how they're building their relationship in this show it's different from before but it's still good uh, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and insert my Trigun fan negative critique in the middle of all this because it's a very small one. Mm-hmm. He calls him Needle Noggin, like how he does in the manga and the original anime, but he doesn't have spiky hair. Yeah, I kind of I had that thought too. I was like, okay, I appreciate this. And I love the way he's like, okay, my name's Wolfwood and my name's Vasha Stampede. It's a needle noggin. I really like that character moment, but it's like... It doesn't make sense. Again, we come back to the EG, the mind thing of like, okay, but where's this name coming from? Yeah. His hair's not the super spiky, like, needles thing. Like, like his hair's like a little spiky, but it's like he mostly has like teenage anime boy hair. Messy teenage anime boy hair is what Vash is rocking in this show. So like, it, I don't associate that with being spiky at all. Oh, Especially he's not, not even like cloud standards. strife spiky. He's yeah. just like I said, like he looks like he's kind of like woke up and then brush his hair. It's a small thing that's like I can see how that was missed, but it still like doesn't take away that it kind of bugs me a little, you know, of like I can sympathize with the writers of like missing that of like, OK, we got to have him call him Needle Noggin and it'll be great. And he just decides that and nobody really, you know, can stop him from calling him that. 
And it's like, but did you think about why he called him Needle Noggin? Yeah, especially in the realm of anime. Vash's hair is particularly spiky. Anime is already a genre with characters with pretty spiky hair. Is there anything that makes his hair spiky? I just, I, I don't fucking get, like, why he's being... Like, if this is your first time watching Trigun, Trigun anything, and you're not familiar with his old design, it's just like, are you confused that, like, he's being called Needle Noggin? Like if I would if I would put myself in like the shoes of someone who doesn't know that like where it actually the nickname originated from, I would like run on the assumption that oh, it's something that like Wolfwood has some like deeper meaning thinking that he's going on for where it came from. And I say deeper, but it doesn't necessarily have to be super philosophical deep. It can be as simple as like your brain is full of needles or something like that, you know? So like I would have just like gone, okay, I don't get where that nickname came from, but maybe I'm supposed to feel that way because Vash doesn't seem to get it either. Yeah, like But knowing where it came from just leaves me like, okay, now... You like you're under the spotlight now, Riders. You gotta explain this, <laughs> like. Because like I feel like it's just like, well, he has to call him Needle Noggin because that's what he called him before. But it's like, you know, we got we got to make the reference, but it's like you can't just change things and then shove in references to the original work if you change the things that those that that you're referencing. Ah, I know my my big thing that I was like, you know, the one thing I wanted to say that i was like eh. but even then like kind of like yours it's like not that big of a deal um but it's the the feeling of them playing their cards too early but that's like all to me i feel like that's just because i'm used to the uh 90s anime where wolfwood there was like no real like it was a big shocking reveal who he was and what was going on behind the scenes with him after time of spending time with everybody and every in the audience getting to love him and know him as just this crazy kooky guy who's on Vash's level of silliness hanging out and then whoops sorry it was all planned from the beginning and he's actually like got this tormented stuff going on and he's with the bad guys in a way and stuff but like and I, I can't get my brain to like not or I'm trying to think like I I don't think it's bad what they're doing here of just like letting the audience in on it. You mm -hmm. know, it's the thing of like have the writing thing of a family eating dinner and suddenly there's an explosion and you get like a few minutes of shock versus if you put the bomb under the table and you show them the ticking time bomb, then you have tension. Yeah. You know, I am fine with it because moving forward, you're always going to be aware that Wolfwood is against them in some way, shape, or form. And now you actually do have that tension moving forward where what is he going to do? What is his role now? Like, it actually, like, if you're not familiar with the source material, like, you, like, if you're a fresh viewer, you now have, like, all of these questions like, oh, shit, is he going to be a recurring character? How, like, what is his plan moving forward? And if they're going to play Wolfwood the way he has been portrayed in other versions, they're probably going to have him hanging out with the main cast a whole bunch and teaming up. And you're going to be kind of like sitting on the edge because you have that knowledge. It's like how much genuine relationships and how much is him playing it up for whatever end goal. Yeah. And like the manga also kind of plays its cards a little early. Um, because they do the reveal of Wolfwood having connections to knives as early as, like, 
chapter, I want to say like 15 or so. And like Wolfwood hadn't been a, like around a whole lot by that point. So like they, they established that connection and you see them like, like, okay, he clearly has involvement with knives, but also his connection to Vash feels very genuine. So where does his legitimate feelings begin and end? And where does his allegiances to knives begin and end? And you can question that as you're moving forward. Now, that's if the writers deliver on this potential. That's all up to them. Yeah. I will say, too, I just thought I just had the realization that the fact that at the end of the episode, he's like, I'm going with you guys, like as an audience member, because we know that there's something going on behind the scenes. That makes sense to us. Whereas if we didn't know that he had some other connection to like knives and the other guys and some kind of ulterior motive, it would feel really random that he's just like i'm gonna travel with you guys now as opposed to how the original anime just made it he made it seem like he just crazy random happenstance would run into them and then you later found out that like oh no it's uh was all on purpose so Mm -hmm. yeah i guess that's good too because here he's like i'm just straight up gonna get in your car something i really appreciate because we talked about last episode vash had the line last episode of like i don't deserve to cry and in this episode, like, yeah, we find out that he hasn't eaten in quite a while, like since that event. And like Meryl's been worried about him. And then Wolfwood has that line to Zazie where he goes, no matter how heavy a cross you carry, you still deserve to eat. You still deserve to laugh. And at the end of the episode, Vash is eating and Meryl lights up and he's like, I still deserve to eat and laugh, don't I? Yeah. And it's like, that was... That was a good moment. That made me that feel feel. So, so I was good. like, oh. It was so good. It was so good. I just, Vash over here drinking that depresso espresso. And then Wolfwood says that. And he's like, okay, I'll, I'll take care of myself. I'll eat some food. Yeah. Like, and oh. also talking about like um, Wolfwood's more nihilistic philosophy. It's like, you only have one life. You fight for it no matter who you hurt in the process. That is, once again, like a very counter philosophical ideal to Vash. So we're already kind of getting this yin and yang between them where it's just like they fit together so well as like friends, but they do have very disparate ideologies. And they're really good foils to each other. They are, unlike Roberto. Yeah, and it's like (sighs) Roberto's over here like, I'm going to drink myself to death and be mad and angry and pissy at everything. Everything sucks. Whereas Wolfwood has an actual complex philosophy going on of you got to put yourself first and protect yourself. And don't worry, like, if protecting yourself means hurting somebody else, then, you know, that's just how it is. Dog eat dog. Like, that's an actual complex and really cool philosophy worth exploring deeper and having as a good foil to the idea of no matter what, I will not cause pain to others and I will try to stop pain. There is, there is a hole in the plot, not a plot hole, but there is a hole in the plot of this episode where it's just like, you guys didn't fill this in. There's there's something missing from this story. And I'm curious if you picked up on what it was. I'm trying to think. What's something that was like... Uh, I'm sure I'm sure as soon as you say it, I'm going to be like, Oh my gosh, you're so right. But like... <laughs> okay, so a big part of like the tension of this episode is that Meryl and Roberto go missing. They go back inside the worm to rescue them. And then we get the reveal of Zazie the Beast and Wolfwood shooting them open. After Zazie is like already triggered like the digestive system of the worm and like the oh. stomach acids like coming down and shit. 
We never fucking see Meryl or Roberto after they are kidnapped until after like the until like the epilogue of the episode where they are all sitting there eating like fucking worm bits over a fucking fire. There's no establishment that these fucking characters are still alive or why they're alive. You know what? You know what? They're both uh, worm zombies now. They're not actually Meryl. <laughs> it's all a trick. Meryl right? and Roberto died. Like, like, boy, it's, it's a really good thing that, like, uh, wherever they were in the worm, that, like, the giant fucking spinning death laser didn't eviscerate them. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, because the first time I watched it, I was eating dinner. So I was just like, maybe I just missed it. Maybe I kind of checked out for a moment and I missed it. So when I watched it the second time, I was taking my notes, like I do, and I'm like, okay, I must have missed, like, where they were in the shot. Like, they have to be in that scene after the Zazie reveal, right? Like, maybe I was looking down at my phone to, like, type out the notes, and I missed it. So then I just go back, and I rewatch the whole last bit of the episode, and nope, they are not there. They are somewhere in the worm, presumably. And Meryl even says, gee, thanks for saving us. I really appreciate it. Blah, blah, blah. And fucking Roberto is just like, oh, so like his cross is a machine gun. That explains why it's so heavy. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, because they weren't fucking there to see any of it. Oh, my God. That's like, like, how the hell do you write the tension point of your episode? Yeah, like, that's... like the thing that they went back inside the Worm 4, and you don't even establish that these characters are still that's, fucking alive. Yeah, that's a big... That's... A, you know what? I'm saying it. We've said it every episode yeah, so no. far. I'm saying it again. First, First draft, draft syndrome. syndrome. Um, that would have been caught if, you know, you had a more uh, in-depth editing stage. You know, like, somebody should have noticed that. Like, every episode. There's like something in every episode where you go, you know, that's something that happens in a first draft that gets fixed in editing. Yeah, because, like, that's the thing that keeps frustrating me with these episodes in terms of the writing is that there's always, like, this big thing that is an, an integral element to the episode, whether it's the timer on the bombs in the first act of episode three, or if it's just literally any, every single character motivation in episodes one and two, there's always something. It's just like, like the driving force of the tension in the narrative. Something is always missing or just fucking wrong about it. And I've never seen a show where like every fucking episode I go, how did someone miss that? I really think... Like, this is my crazy, I guess you could call it a tinfoil hat theory, but it's not really a con, uh, it's not really a conspiracy thing, but it's like, I have very little to base this on. This is just what I think is going on of, um, they're wanting to make sure, like when they were, when they were setting up their schedule for how to time everything out, they wanted to make sure they had plenty of time for their animation. And then they ended up cutting into their writing time. And then we end up with like, not as in-depth of editing because of it and so that's how we keep getting awesome animation like especially certain sequences and scenes yeah. being like so good because it's like i understand that like anime uh production is really tight on time it's really messy it's really tight on time uh i feel like i 
to my understanding, they're starting to get better about that. But like, just for the sake of argument, like I can see that being the issue of they sacrifice time polishing the writing in order to polish the animation more. Mm -hmm. Because you got to have your episode, you got to have it all written out and storyboarded and ready to go before you can start animating. That's my that's my tinfoil hat theory of that's the uh, where I think the artist might be coming from in this situation. I got nothing to base that on but personal experience. Also, my uh, my my second fuck Roberto minute of the episode. <laughs> Roberto like just randomly accuses Wolfwood of like being an assassin and like oh yeah no oh, it's a so trick weird. you know they 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 eat the first one to lure you into a false set security and then they poison the second one i've heard of people who can control worms and i'm like why the fuck are you jumping to this conclusion other than the fact that Zazie the beast is the villain of this episode it was so it was so weird it was like they he makes everything worse in these episodes i just want an episode where he's mute and i want to see if i'll like the episode as a whole better than the other one can i get the episode where he like i don't know gets hit in the face with a rock and his jaws wired shut for the remaining 22 minutes of the fucking show <laughs> like I just can we get that I, for the remaining 22 episodes of the show i don't know how many right. episodes this show yeah, has no, I, <laughs> I, I think this is gonna be like a 13 episode show but it like, feels I like just, it that's one of the things yeah. like when i was mentioning feeling like they're playing their cards a little early on a lot of reveals and stuff i feel like it, it it feels like it's a time thing of like, okay, we got to introduce this character and start revealing stuff about them while still keeping an air of mystery. Whereas the original anime was, the original anime was like 24 episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they uh, had 26. more time to be silly, huh? 26. Oh, okay. Right, right. Oh, God, I'm a fake Trigun fan. You got to fire <laughs> me, Zeon. <laughs> I don't like Roberto. I'm just, it's always bully Roberto hours in my house. Yeah, man. I know. <laughs> Fuck Roberto. All my homies hate Roberto. <laughs> I I just, I can't stand him. He is the absolute worst part of every single episode. And now that Wolfwood's part of the main cast, his role is redundant. Mm-hmm. I think we I think we suggested that early on. We were like, what's Wolfwood going to be like if we already have the more nihilistic character here? And it's, Wolfwood's the fucking same! Because we knew Wolfwood was going to be here. And so we're like, so you replaced a happy-go-lucky, super optimistic, and believes everyone's telling the truth all the time, you know, Millie, with an old, nihilistic, alcoholic old man who just wants to sit here and spew out encyclopedic knowledge on everyone? Like, I can only, I can only think that this is season one. I said it before. I think this is season one, and there's going to be another season. And season two, we're getting Millie. Like, Roberto's going to die. His old, shitty, cynical fucking death. They're probably going to try and play it as a tragedy. But I'm going to fucking, like, let go of my party we're poppers gonna... and go, Yeah, fuck you! The prick is dead! Ding dong! <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that... I genuinely do agree that that's, like, a possibility. Because it's, like, he really is getting played up as, like, He's absolutely getting written. He's been written as like a character of um, I'm trying to think of how to word what I'm thinking here of like I've seen other shows and like stories in general where they have a character who's like the older cynical nihilistic character and then by the a certain uh, story beat that character like turns around and they have a big emotional death scene and then the character who was considered their like protege or their successor or whatever 
um, in this case, it would be Meryl steps up to take the leading role in whatever position they were. Doing, yeah. You know? Yeah. The successor role. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, because I've seen that kind of storyline take place, I wouldn't be surprised actually. Like I, I feel like you've got something that that's a real possibility of something that would happen. We just cross our fingers and pray that that means Millie will come in if that does happen. God, it's going to be like that scene <laughs> from uh, like, what the fuck is that shitty ass? christian propaganda but god's not dead where oh my god don't get me <laughs> like like it's gonna be like that scene from god's not dead where kevin sorbo gets hit by a car but instead of like his last one being i believe in jesus he's gonna be like i believe in pacifism <laughs> i'm gonna be over there like the freaking guys uh who were like eating the worms in the beginning of the episode just clapping like oh yay <laughs> her bear is gone me, the pacifist, actively wishing death on this character. Like, speaking of those guys in this episode, like, was it just me or were they 2D animated? I, hmm. Because they, they didn't look CG and they were always shot like a... Because, like, they, they were actually, like, you know, always, you know, isolated in a frame. So I'm just like, I didn't have CG characters to put them against. And I'm like, they, oh, they looked like they were 2D I... animated and they were always shown at a very flat angle. So I'm like... I wonder they just didn't want to make character oh. models because they were just like little bit characters. If they did, that would be really impressive because I, you know, I think you might be right, but I wasn't, you know, it, what if that is the case, they weren't different enough to stand out to yeah. me of all people. Because like, I mean, like the CG in this, it looks really good and you only really like think about it being CG when like a positioning of an arm or something just oh, looks weird because it's the, the model. Or when they do some really crazy flippy shit with the cameras. But with these uh, three dudes, the only shot that we actually see them in frame with the other characters is when they're all eating together at the end. And it's a really pulled out shot. And I'm like, okay, they distinctly do look different. But I don't know if it's just because like they're model, like maybe they are CG models, but like they're just not lit the same way or because, you know, they're lower res or whatever. Or if it's just they put in these 2D assets because they didn't want to fucking make whole new models for characters who were literally going to be in an episode for like a few seconds right which would make sense because modeling characters like e even making character puppets and 2d stuff which yeah. is something i do a lot takes a frick ton of energy for just like <clears throat> basic stuff so it would make sense like if they knew that they could you know blend the styles together if they knew they could i can absolutely see them doing that to save yeah, time I know... money and everybody's energy especially now that i think about it those guys didn't have any crazy motions or anything kinda, yeah no not at all you know so yeah i'm gonna have to go back and look at it again because that i i don't know i don't know actually i wasn't thinking about it yeah i was too busy laughing at the way they were clapping <laughs> yeah because like i know the studio because i've seen b stars and b stars would occasionally for like certain bits integrate 2d animation um if it just worked better for a scene like maybe they couldn't get like the model to animate a certain way it's like oh yeah this makes sense that they would have done this in 2d animation but the models look so good that like it's not jarring or weird when it happens yeah and like that's that's kind of the, the the thing here like if these are 2d assets put into this episode it was done very well. You didn't notice at all, and I didn't notice until the rewatch. And even now, I'm still not a hundred percent certain. Yeah, and like, um, and like I said, like 
from the beginning, I can tell that the people, at least on this show, so I'm assuming the whole studio, I can tell this is being done by artists and by animators who know what they're doing and know their craft well. So if anybody would be able to pull it off, it would be these guys. I, I, I just wish that the, the writing staff was as talented as the animators. <laughs> they're close. They're not awful. There's been worse. Yeah, I mean, you know. I just want to, you know, stuff one character in a trash can and a lot of my problems would be solved, but you know. <laughs> God, like, I just want to know. Like, I need, like, a fucking director or a creative consultant or someone on this show to, like, come out and talk about the reason they, they did this show the way they did. Like, what was the impetus to, like, do Trigun? Why reinvent Trigun? Why, like you know do your own unique take why take one of like you know the most beloved characters from the series and like jettison them into space and then replace them with a surly piece of shit that nobody fucking likes you know what i just realized too is that like i know mm. that from the first episode i you know would see artist friends and stuff and people that i knew from trigun uh like from the trigun fandom like sharing fan art and drawing fan art and they're they're really excited they're really excited and into uh the show and and mm -hmm. like talking about it very positively. But you know, I don't think I've ever seen them draw Roberto in all of this. During all of this, none of them have drawn him. None of the ones that I've seen on my radar. That's not to say there's not fan art of him, but I think that says something that the peep, the posts that I'm seeing that talk about how much they really love this reinvention of Trigun and they're having a lot of fun with this version of Vash and Wolfwood and Meryl and yeah. I, nobody says anything. I haven't seen any fan art with Roberto. <laughs> so it's like, even if it's on a subconscious level of I want to draw for this show and then you just don't draw the one character that you don't even realize you hate or something, you know? Like, right. I just want to justify the bully <sighs> Roberto hour, okay? <laughs> He, he deserves it. Fuck him. Because, like, I am not a fan of how this show kind of scrubs a lot of the iconography out of Trigun. But I do enjoy a lot of the redesigns. Um, you know, I'm... I don't like them as much as the originals. But, I, honestly, I take that back. I really like Meryl's redesign. I think she's absolutely adorable. She looks younger to me. And that's the thing is that you're telling me she's 23 here where she was 19 in the original. And that's what's throwing me off right now. So she right? looks younger and acts a bit younger. Yeah, no, like, like I feel like they write her as a younger character and they, they designed her to look younger, but they made her older. And I just... Uh, the design is good. Because I remember like after the time jump, they actually tell you how old Meryl is. And then like, I think either Millie breaks the fourth wall or there's just like an, or the narrator does to be like, that's right. Meryl was only 19 during the previous adventures. That's pretty much everything I've had to say. How about you, Kai? Uh, that's pretty much all I had to say. Are we doing uh, our bullets? Our score? <laughs> all right. One to six bullets. Fire. I'm going... Four out of six bullets, and the remaining two are going right into Roberto. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, that's that's. I can tell I was holding on to that for a while. I was like, "Are we doing um, the score?" <laughs> I am also gonna give this four out of six bullets. I think it is overall, for the most part, like 
I was prepared to give this like two bullets, but then when everything kind of came full circle and it did all the reveals and I was like, ah, you tricked me. I thought you were a worse written episode than I thought. Yeah, you got me. Um, I was just like, okay, I was really satisfied. But like the whole complete absence of like, like Roberto and Meryl, like not like being established at all, like as still alive. Was like that. That's a really big point for me because that's just like, come the fuck on. How do you fuck that up? That that was really that's a really important thing to establish. I'm surprised I didn't catch it. Because honestly, like the way the the the, the scene is done, it wasn't until like the epilogue where they're all eating, and I was just like, wait, did I? I must have missed that, right? Because where the fuck did they come from? Because um, I I thought like yo they were gonna split the thing open and then like Mil um and then like Meryl and Roberto were gonna be like what the fuck happened yeah I was just thinking like that's the and only thing like, we hey, needed yeah you're still alive that's all we needed was that one little scene and it would have been fine yeah but no we just hard cut and they're already like it's like they just don't want to like do certain scenes and I don't understand why so yeah um. That's a big mark against it, and also, every fucking time Roberto opens his goddamn motherfucking mouth, <laughs> like, please just drink yourself to death, you motherfucker. Uh, because this would have been, like, on the surface, this is mostly a five out of six for me, but that big old gaping hole in, like, the narrative of, you guys didn't fill in this plot point, as well as... Every time Roberto says any goddamn thing, mm. it's a four out of it's a four out of six. Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same boat of it's like that, you know, just a bunch of a bunch of the little things, a bunch of like Roberto and also I know last time I gave like the score of five point five. It's like this one didn't have the big hype moment that the last episode did. It didn't. So and that's fine. That's fine. But that's like one of those things of like that big hype moment from the last episode. Was... It carried that fucking episode. <laughs> so that's what got me like to give that a higher score, and that's why this one's kind of lower because it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a good episode. Pretty pretty good. Really, just you know, it just highlighted a thing I don't like about this whole reimagining so far, and that thing starts with an R. <laughs> oh Man. God, yeah. Fuck Roberto. Well, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, join us next time for Fuck Roberto the Podcast. Bye. <laughs> I'll bet Vash can fix him. <laughs> no, see, like, like we need, we just need Wolfwood to just give him a real good deep dicking. <laughs> I mean, make sandwiches. <laughs>